If the rest of you would join me in turning to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and we're going we're gonna to start in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. You may know if you've actually studied Corinthians before that even though we have two of the letters, uh, there were more letters written. And uh, there's a whole back and forth, and we can tell that as we study the book. We're not getting into all of that today, but there is something I would like us to see together uh, that is happening in chapter 4 here. And Paul starts off talking about one thing, and we're going to go down to 7, and it's all really a piece. And I wish we could read more, but for time's sake, we'll simply start here with chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice these words here from the Word of God. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God... By the way, there's a Bible that should be right there on your row if you don't have one and you want to look at it yourself. Sometimes it's really helpful to hold it in your hand. We've got that available for you. And if you ever need a Bible, please take the ones we have. We can always refill those. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. I need to hear that, by the way. We do not lose heart. We don't give up. But... We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said... Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the words that you inspired St. Paul to write so many years ago. Would you again breathe life into these words this morning for us and for our sake? We pray in your most holy name. Amen. Not having preached last week, um, I'm having to restrain myself today. No. No, I I understand time. Don't worry. I I got this. I've got a clock here, and I've got your faces to show me that you're ready to go. Okay, I understand uh, when that happens. I look for that. But before we're ready to go, and before we're ready to take communion together today, I want us to park here for just a moment and see a pattern that Paul is picking up on, and it really rests in the framework of Genesis. If you want to know what the whole Bible is about, you really need to read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And if you read those three chapters right there, you've got the framework 
For everything else that's going to come or that's going to happen, you have, of course, the good creation, right? The good creation of humans, even. And then, particularly, of male and female. In the image of God, He created them. And then you have, of course, the fall. But it doesn't end there. There is a promise that the seed of the woman will one day crush the head of the serpent. And this is a promise, of course, about Jesus. So you really have the whole story in the framework of three chapters there. And I think Paul is picking up on this when he says to us, notice in verse 6, let, this is the God who, he's, he's, by the way, this is the God who said, let there be light. Do you remember that God? <laughs> and so what I want to show real quick is when you turn back to Genesis 1, which you can do with me, is, that's probably the easiest place to find, right? When you go to Genesis 1, you'll know that there are six days of creation and then on the seventh day he rests, right? And if you've ever studied chapter 1, you may also realize a bit of a pattern that begins to be shown in the days of creation even. And what it is, is this. God forms certain things and then he fills those certain things that he forms. You say, what? Uh, look at day one, and you don't have to, we don't, we're not going to sit here and read the whole thing because I'm assuming that most of you at least have heard the six days of creation. But what happens on day one? Let there be light, right? So you have on day one, notice this, day and night. On day two, you have the waters above and the waters beneath. And we don't have time to go into how they viewed the world. Uh, but this is part of how they understood the world. They saw what was above us as a watery substance and also the seas, of course, that are with us as a watery su- substance. So this is the waters above and the waters beneath. And then on day three, there is land and vegetation. Then on day four, we circle back around to be connected to day one. So one and f- here's one and here's four. And what happens? Then now the luminaries. So he first creates the form, which is light and darkness. Then he fills the form with what? The sun to rule by day and the moon to rule by night. Then we drop down to day five. And day five correlates with day two. So here's drop down one. Day two, the water's above, the water's below. Now what is day five about? The birds of the heavens. And the fish of the seas. You see in a pattern? This is one thing you should look for, of course, in interpretation, is patterns. Patterns just really help us, too, you know. That's, uh, rhythms help us. We, we, can, we can better understand things. And so, again, what we have is God forms up the heavens, if you will. This watery above the heavens. And then the seas. And then he fills them with birds in the heavens. And with fish... In the sea. He forms it, then he fills it. And then on day six, of course, which correlates with day three, day three being the day where he created land and then vegetation, now he puts animals in that and then puts humans. And that's the six days of creation. And what we have is on the left side, if the left column, the first three days are the form, or maybe we could talk about it like this the habitat. Right? 
I mean, just imagine if he stopped with day three. Then we'd just simply have light and dark. We would simply have this heavens and then the seas. And then we would have a bunch of land and vegetation with no living creatures anywhere. Instead, he fills that with the sun, the moon, and then with birds and fish, and then all the land animals, and finally, us. And so, you have the habitat formed on day one, two, three, and then you have the inhabitants on day four, five, and six. Skip over to chapter 2. And if you know anything about the two creation stories that are given, chapter 2 particularly focuses in on humanity's creation, right? And what does God do? In 2.7, he takes the dust from the ground and he forms Adam, which is mankind. The term Adam just means mankind, right? So he forms mankind from the dust. Of the, but does he stop there? Because that's the form, isn't it? You see where this is going? What does he do next? The Bible is very clear what he does next. He breathes within this form of a human the breath of life. And the scripture says this. It became a living being. Person. So what is God doing again? He forms it and then he fills it. Anybody see where this is going? Because all throughout the Bible, God forms Israel. He forms the sacrificial system. He forms the tabernacle, forms the temple, forms his land, forms the Messiah and his coming and all the prophecies. But he doesn't just stop with the forming, does he? He fills these things with the Holy Spirit. You say, What in the world does that have to do here with our text? What has everything to do with our text? Because, did you catch what he said in verse 7? But we have this treasure. What treasure? The filling treasure. In jars of clay. We as humans are made of dust and divinity. The only creatures in God's world that actually are the habitat for where he wants to dwell. And the inhabitant should be the Holy Spirit. Anybody with me on that? Because that's pretty solid right there. Now, I'll just be honest with you. Like, If you don't know what solid preaching and teaching is, that was just it right there. Um, just, Just to make sure we're all clear on that, because that's pretty serious business. In other words... Humanity was formed. You say, why do we even have this old body of ours? It is because we literally are the habitat that God formed for himself to dwell. He could have made a throne. He could have made a huge house. He could have made something alien that we don't even know about. And dwelt there and said, this is where I am. This is my habitat to dwell. This is where I like to chill and my lazy boy watching Netflix. No, that's not the way he likes to exist. He created us to live in us. Which means we have to ask what really is in us. 
And what are we filling ourselves with from day to day? Because trust me, God and everything else, nothing else is going to fill our life with anything meaningful when it comes to the other option being God. He kind of like ruins everything else. Once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, there is nothing else because you were only created for him. That's pretty serious though, but this is why we fast. It's telling our body, it's reminding our body, you know what body? Yeah, you're hungry. Yeah, your breath is going to stink because you hadn't eaten. And you're going to get a headache. At least I do. And this happens to me. But you know what body? You're not. Your wants are not as what is ultimate. Because what's supposed to go in the body ultimately and first, if you will, first things here in the created order is the Holy Spirit of God. Himself. And when we have the Holy Spirit of God, we have everything. And when we don't have the Holy Spirit of God, we literally have not, excuse me, nothing. So, this pattern is seen over and over again in the Scripture. So, God forms us. What does that even mean? It means that He's created us for Himself. And he's created us for each other. And he likes his creation because he said it was good. It was good because it was exactly what he wanted to create. So when we say that ice cream is good, we mean that it lines up with what ice cream should be. It doesn't have a moral component, you realize, right? Like chocolate ice cream is not superior morally than vanilla ice cream... Right? One is not sinful above the other. Maybe calorie-wise it is, but... No. We mean, when we say, this ice cream is good, this steak is good, this sweet tea is good, we mean that it's exactly what sweet tea should be. And when God looks at his creation, we don't have to like it, but he says, this is good. This is very good. I like all of what I made. And he fills it with these living things... And we are not living until we have received the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the, the form is there. You're, you're, like, a, you're, you're like this, when, I, when we were in Chicago, I saw this, never seen one so close, this Lamborghini. Just right there on the road, just right there. Very small thing. I was surprised how small it was. I guess that's why they're so fast. But it was just right there, but no one was in it. It wasn't doing anything. It was just there. And some of you, if we could look at you, I mean, you've got, you've got the money, you've got the talents, you've got the family. God has blessed you greatly, but you're just sitting on the side of the road. There's nobody, there's no power, the car's not cranked, there's no fuel, you're just out of gas. Maybe at one time the car was moving. Maybe at one time it was a hot rod and you sped down the road and things were going great. But today, it's just dead. It's just not moving. Things are not moving because there's no power. The form is there. The form is there. Everybody's got a tank. Everybody's got the wheels and everybody's got the motor and everybody's ready to go. But do we have the power to go forward? Look, I've been there on empty. I've been there recently on empty. 
deeply empty. And if it wasn't for some of you that were praying, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I really don't. I, you know, it was just the end of the rope. It was just the end of the line for me. Uh, I was ready, ready to just get out of the car. But God is not ready for us to quit. Did you not hear what Paul said? We don't lose heart. Why? Because we have a treasure, God's greatest gift, which is Jesus. And Jesus himself will tell us what it means to be a disciple is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's actually what it means. All the other... See, we always want to go to the form. Because the form is easy. We polish the car, make sure the tires are rotated. We do all this stuff. We never get the car going. We never get our life going. We never get this body actually filled with the power that it needs, which is only the Holy Spirit. That's the engine that ought to run our life, not ourself, not our media that we like, not our politics. There's so many things that would vie, as he says here, that would, that would come against us, the God of this world. If we're so in love, look, Huntsville's a great place to live. It really is. I mean, every, every year there's new studies that come out, you know, about how great this, but that's dangerous too. It's very dangerous to live in a place that's great to live because we can get a little too comfy being parked on the side of the road. And we're not meant to be parked on the side of the road because here's what I'm going to show Here's what Paul does. He says, he says, look, you know, yeah, there's this pattern, form, filled, but then spilled. That's what you are. That's what I, we're broken vessels. Not just because of the fall. Yes, because of the fall, but not just because of the fall. It's because of our own sin too. It's also because of the sin of our culture. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance in a moment. And all the things that you're going to say in that prayer may not be for you personally, things that you failed on. But just like Daniel, he prays in an intercessory way for his nation. And we must take up the sin of our nation onto ourselves just as Jesus has done. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. Is to be broken vessels with a precious, expensive treasure. I mean, we put our expensive stuff in a deep vault safe, right? FDIC approved and all that kind of stuff, you know? God is, God's kind of crazy compared to us. Like our wisdom, he's crazy. Because he takes his greatest, just whatever your greatest gift is, and he puts it in a broken jar of clay, just a formed up dust pile like you. And like me. That's where he says, that's where I want to dwell the most. Yeah, God is everywhere, but he's nowhere more present than right here in the temple of the Holy Spirit. This, you're just, if you will, if you will, just take your hands and do like this. Just out like you're ready to receive something. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body. You say, no, no, no. I'm too old. My time has passed. I'm too young. I'm too middle-aged. I have too many kids. Listen. No, no, no. Did we not mention this is a broken jar? (laughs) This is not a perfect jar. None of us... 
But that's the good news is in a broken jar, guess what? Things spill out. He pour, look, he pours it, he pours it, and it comes right out. And that's actually what he wants. Only the broken can come to Jesus. If you're well, unfortunately, you cannot receive God's salvation. I say cannot because you will not. But if you're broken, then prime candidate right there. I'm broken. I'll be first to admit it. I'm broken. In many, many ways, you know the brokenness. You've seen it. If you get close to me, you're going to see it even more. Those closest to me know it most well. That's okay. I am in a community. This church is a community where we love even the broken. But it's not okay just to continue to stay broken when he can heal us. But healing us looks like this, pouring us out more. You see, it's the bad kind of brokenness that would put tape over this and tape over that and try to cover ourselves. No, no, no. This. Openness. The way of the cross. The way of the cross is the only way of all of our life. And this is what Paul is going to detail later as you read, as you continue to read 2 Corinthians, is about the suffering of Christ. So he forms us in order to fill us, in order to spill us out for his glory and for the sake of his name, because that's why we even have a body. And let me just tell you right now, because I've studied the world's religions, it's not that I'm an expert, I'm actually not an expert. I'm just an amateur, but in looking at the world's religions and reading their stuff, here's the conclusion you have to make is this. They don't care about the body. The body is bad. We need to get rid of the body, and they're not what we call somatic. You know that store soma for women? It's body. That means that's a Greek word for body. Christianity is the most bodily religion in the world. We view the body as something good, and that's crazy to all the other religions of the world. It's nuts. But the reason we do is because guess who formed our body? God. Guess who was crazy enough to take on a human body? There's no other God in all of the world who would do that eternally. Yeah, the gods temporarily become avatars. But no, no, no. Our God becomes a human for all eternity Today, right now, as we're speaking here in eternity, the body, the body of Jesus Christ is seated at the Father's right hand. His actual body. And it is His body that saves us. Not an idea. Not a doctrine. Not something I can do. Not something you can do. But a human Body. The problem started with two human bodies, Adam and Eve, and the problem was fixed by two human bodies. You just affirmed it, Mary and Jesus, and Jesus' body and blood alone saves. Man, we've gotten deep today, huh? That's pretty serious right there. I'll just be like, you know... I always say everybody's a theologian, just some of you aren't good ones. But it looks like today we're being pretty good. Looks like everybody's on the same page with this. And this is what communion is about. 
receiving in our body Christ. The Spirit of Christ. <laughs> and so we are God's habitat. Isn't that nuts? Just think of, just, you know, chew on that the rest of the week. We're God's habitat, but He wants to be an inhabitant in our habitat. And that means that He's got to clean the place up, right? At least He does in my life. He wants a holy temple. And here is the good news, my friends. He can make us holy. It's not a pipe dream. It's not something that we just wish for. It's something we ask for. And and it's something he will really do. If we'll let him. So will you today? It's just as easy as asking. Listen to me. I'm not, this is, you know been in the church all of my life. There's never been a time where I haven't been in the church and yet I've missed it over and over again is this. And the Lord just recently taught me this last week and I couldn't share it with you. So now I'm sharing it with you now. It's the Holy Spirit's power. It's his working in us. It's not us being crafty, catchphrases, living from just Sunday to Sunday. No, it's every day filled with the Spirit. It's waiting for the Holy Spirit on how we should treat our spouse, our kids, the next conversation we have with someone. And look, you know, (laughs) the other day I called Susan and we were talking and I hung up the phone and the Lord immediately just, I felt like I need to call back. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll call back and pray, you know, over the phone, which I don't do a whole lot, honestly. Maybe I should start. And so I, I actually prayed with her over the phone. And she, she says, you know what? A Pascal walked in at that very moment when you started praying. And he took his hat off and he prayed with us. It was just this neat divine moment. You know, not anything special, crazy or anything. But just this being led by the Spirit. And they say, oh, yeah, well, you're just applauding yourself. No, no, no. I'm saying that happened once this week. How many more times did I miss it? Miss where the Lord wanted me to speak a word into somebody's life. Where I'm just so busy with whatever I'm doing or trying to get a lesson prepared for our small group. Listen, you can be the most brilliant theologian, understand all the mysteries. Paul says this too, right? But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, in other words, the love of God, the power of God, it's worthless. It's worthless. Worthless. That's kind of crazy. I don't really like that word for all the study I've done. But it's worthless. Because it's God that does the work. Will you let him do that today? Have you the Holy Spirit? Does he have all of you? We must decrease for him to increase. Are you being spilled out? We offer here at Harvest Point, and we're not the only church, but we offer here at Harvest Point some ways and pathways to be spilled out for his glory. Don't just let them pass you by. Don't let them remain on the back of the bulletin. Let's fill them with the Holy Spirit. Spill them out to our communities, our neighbors. And let's now respond to Jesus the way he told us to, which is to remember me. Amen.